Welcome to Inner Bloom, a podcast about spirituality and intuitive empowerment, where we help each other evolve and ascend through conscious community. I'm Alexa, a healer who utilizes EFT, also known as tapping, to help you process stuck emotions, release limiting beliefs, and reconnect with your inner child. I'm Ambrosia, a psychic medium and Arcturian channel, here to uplift and inspire you to see that you are capable of more than you know. Together, we empower people to live extraordinary lives. We do want to warn you, if you hang out with us long enough, you'll start to believe in yourself and realize that you're capable of anything. Enjoy Enjoy the the show. show. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of Inner Bloom. I'm Alexa. This is Ambrosia. Hey, it's me. (laughs) Hi, everyone. (laughs) You like that? That was a good one. So cute. And with us is our friend, a spirit, having a human experience, a podcast, a coach. He's all he's an amazing speaker and motivator, our friend Princeton Clark. Hi, Princeton. Welcome. What's going on, ladies? So Thank much. you for having me. Yeah. <laughs> we, we are honored to have you. It's It's been a minute since we've been trying to make this happen. So happy that we it could come together at this poignant time. And um, yeah, thank you for being on the show. How are you doing where you are? It's a loaded question. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. um, in short, I, I am extremely blessed where I am right now. And I know there may be some people who watch who say, man, like how, <laughs> you know, like, you know, but I'm extremely blessed to be where I am in my life because even though there is this, I'll say illusion of darkness all around us right now, mm-hmm. it is in the midst of this illusion of darkness that true lights begin to shine. And because I understand my purpose to be a light in the world, I realized that I've been given an amazing opportunity to be a light in the world, but not just me be a light in the world, to influence change in a way that we unify through love, you know, Mm -hmm. and really find our voices together because for so long, our voices have been divided, you know, and there's so much hurt and there's so much pain that, you know, as I said before we came on, you know, every person on this planet is simply a human, or excuse me, a spirit having a human experience. Yep. And along the way, we've forgotten that. And as a result, we stop connecting on a human level. And it creates all these little issues that create one big issue that we're experiencing globally, mm-hmm. you know, not just, you know, humanitarian not just in the humanitarian area but also in the environmental area in the governmental area in all these different areas of the world we're creating you know issues that we can we can solve you know but where i am right now you know of course it's been a very emotional week for me having to process through my own emotions and my own feelings as a result of my human experience you know as a black man in america You know, because although I see through the eyes, understanding that I'm just a spirit on a journey, you know, in this world, in this tangible reality, I'm viewed as a black man, you know. And so Mm -hmm. really this week, there were some major realizations that I had personally 
Um, and the biggest realization that really hit me the hardest was the fact that I've, for the past 16 years, you know, I've been working and really diving deep spiritually and I've been a self mastery coach or guide and I've worked so hard to be a light for myself so that I can be a light to the world because I know what I know what pain feels like. I know what it feels like to be counted out. I know what it feels like to feel as though you don't matter. I know what it feels like to be beaten. I know what it feels like to be abused and molested and to struggle with deep depression and to have to try to navigate your way out of that by yourself because it seems like nobody else understands. But, you know, when I first began this journey, I said, I, I just spoke spiritually and, and, and I made a decree and I said, I will not just be a one-sided change. Hmm. I will live my life in a way that gives me the ability to communicate and engage in a way that all people feel felt, all people feel heard all people feel understood because just like me, they're just a spirit on a journey trying to find their way. And the lines have gotten blurred in so many different areas right now. And, you know, just to be in this space right now and to really feel what's happening and to see what's happening in the, in the fruit, in the tree of this life, <laughs> Mm-hmm. It's really driven. It excuse me. It's really driven me to go back to the root, and you know, I always tell my clients, you know, you are the root to the tree of your life. If you don't like the fruit, change the root. Go back, do that introspection, figure it out, so that you can make changes and respond differently to manifest new fruit. Mm-hmm. You know, and what it really challenged me to see recently was the fact that. On a personal level, I've always taught that, but now I'm seeing it on a global level. You know, there's a root. We, humanity, we are the root to the tree of this thing we call life. And we're looking at the tree and we're pointing at all the branches and all the rotten fruit. And we're like, <laughs> look at that branch and look at that fruit and look at that. And then we're so tired of it. And it's like, wait a minute, that's never going to solve anything. We have to go back to the root. And it's us. We have to start looking at the conditions of our heart. We have to start looking at the conditions of our mind. We have to start looking at the conditions of our responses or our non-responses and ask ourselves, what are we individually doing? And in that individual state of mind, how are we choosing to respond in a way that's creating this fruit? Mm. And it's from there that we can begin to create massive change. So where I am right now is I am in a phase in this human experience where I am being called to create a massive change in a very challenging time. But I also have this deep sense of knowing that I have been given a voice to ignite an inner spark in people that will create a a sense of introspection that will challenge them to change in ways they've never been challenged before. And so this is a very blessed time. Yeah. Wow. Thank you for sharing all of that. And um, yeah, I think Ambie and I were talking today and we were talking a bit offline about how 
recognizing, yeah, the blessing and, and the empowerment in, in real, I was realizing this today. I was like, you know, I have so much fear. I've had so much fear in the past of like being wrong. So I don't take action or like being, um, judged. So I don't, you know, hesitating in my action. And I just had the download today. It's like, it doesn't matter. Like, just take action. We're always going to make mistakes, but guess what a mistake is? It's an opportunity for you to look within and go, oh, I made a mistake. Cool. I have the power to solve this, you know? Mm -hmm. And I think that in general, what we're seeing as a people is how powerful we are, how powerful Mm -hmm. we are to create what we want to create. And that's what I'm really excited about right Mm -hmm. now. How... Um, do you want to tell a little bit of, I mean, a little bit of your story or your background or how you started, you know, you got into this, you became a coach and all that? Sure. You're so captivating. I could hear you talk all day. So I'm really excited. Go ahead. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you so much. I appreciate it. Um, well, my journey began, you know, as a kid and I'll try to condense it because it's, I always say I've lived a lot of life in one life, you know. But with every experience, I've been given wisdom to impact multiple lives. So as a kid, you know, I was abused mentally, physically, verbally and emotionally as a child. Um, Between the ages of nine and 11, I was molested. And, you know, I never really had a space to talk about it. Nobody even really knew what what had happened at that point. And at the age, uh, I don't think I, I didn't start really dealing with it until I was 16 years old. And I remember I was sitting at my grandmother's house and I was watching, it was this old talk show, the Phil Donahue show. And they were talking, the topic was victims of domestic violence and abuse. And there was a man on the show that was talking about his experience as a child. And it, it practically mirrored my experience. And because I had experienced these things for such a large part of my life up to that point, I just kind of thought it was what happens. Like, you know, it is what it is. Even though I was experiencing pain, I was like, okay, like as men, we're taught to be strong and just get over it, you know, like, and so that's what I tried to do, you know, be tough. But I remember sitting there watching this one day and people talking about how wrong it was. And all of a sudden my face got hot. My ears started burning. Like I felt this rage come over me. And, um, Following that, you know, after that event in my life, I went into a series of just very depressed states. Like I struggled with deep depression throughout high school. I believe it was in the 11th grade. My mom was cleaning my room and uh, which was always messy, by the way. Um, But she was cleaning my room and she found a, a journal, a notebook where I had been writing about killing myself. And so she, her and my father had a talk with me. I ended up, you know, I ended up going to see a psychiatrist once they put me on medication to help me with the depression and whatnot. whatnot. And I remember I took it one time and I hated the way it made me feel. I was already on um, Ritalin at the time for being hyperactive Mm -hmm. and, you know, having attention deficit disorder, um, which is a whole nother topic in and of itself. But, um, you know, when that happened, I, w- I realized even at that age that this wasn't going to change what happened to me. 
I could feel, and maybe it was intuitively that all this was doing was helping me suppress it, but it didn't change my reality because I still didn't have an outlet to release it. And that led me into, I barely ended up graduating. I was a tremendous athlete. I ran track. I was an all around athlete really, but my focal um, sport was track. And, you know, we went to state several years in a row. I could have had college. I had college offers from several different places. And my last year, my senior year, it just got so bad that I just didn't care. Like, and I ended up barely getting out of school. I ended up, well, I didn't even graduate initially with my class. I went back later and got my diploma. And they, they allowed me to get my diploma with the same class because I did just miss graduation from like a, uh, from a half a point. They didn't, wouldn't give me a half a point, even though I worked so hard to try to graduate at the end. They were just like, it's too late. You can go to summer school. But I, I was at the point, I was like, you know, screw summer school. Like, I'm not going yeah. to summer school. You could just give me a half a point, man. Like, just let me be done with it. That was just my mentality at the time. Long story short, um, after school, I ended up, you know, getting involved with, with other people like myself. You know, we got involved with gang-related activity. I was on, I started using drugs, drinking, and fighting all the time. Like, I was just, I was just on this fast spiral downward, you know, but I ended up getting married to my now ex-wife at the age of 21, thinking, you know, this will solve my problems. Like, I want to have a family. I want to give them the love that I, I've never had, you know not realizing at that time that I could never give them a love that I'd never had because I had never learned to love myself yet. But <clears throat> my ex-wife, she was having her own problems at the time. You know, her father committed suicide when she was 11 and she didn't really start dealing with it until after we got married. She was 19. And uh, so of course that created a, a plethora of problems between us because neither yeah. one of us, it got so much, it got to the point where we were both hurting so much that we couldn't see each other's hurt and it became this. Mm. <clears throat> and, you know, so we argued, argued, argued. We had, you know, two, two kids, one kid on the way at the age of 20 at me being 23. And I remember getting to this place where I felt like I was worthless. I felt like I would never be anything to my kids. You know, my people in my own family, my own community had told me I was a lost cause you know, just because of the way that I was living my life. And so at the age of 23, I put a gun to my head and I pulled the trigger, but the gun misfired. And I always tell people that it was in that moment, although the literal bullet didn't fire, a conscious one did. Hmm. And I had this massive awakening. I mean, and you know, people talk about your life flashing before your eyes. When that happened, my entire life flashed before my eyes and we always talk about epiphany moments, right? Mm -hmm. I had the biggest epiphany and I realized that although all these things did happen to me in my life, what had created my current reality was not what happened to me. It was how I chose to respond to it. Mm. And that one epiphany shook my world because I was like, if I had the power to create the mess of a life that I've just created by how I chose to respond to my life, how much more of a life could I create if I responded from a positive place? Hmm. And it that and I knew it wasn't going to be easy, but from that day, I quit. I mean, I was drinking so much at that point that I would literally throw up blood. I was smoking so much that I would cough up blood. Like, 
I was just angry. And after that happened, I walked away from all the gang related activity that week. I quit drinking. I quit smoking. I quit everything because I had determined I, I was sick and tired of being where I was. I was sick and tired of having that life experience. And I wanted something different. And I knew nobody growing up in my experience, you know, especially as a black man and growing up in the community that I was in, nobody ever gave me anything. I watched my people, my community struggle. All I knew was struggle. And so I had to fight. I had to fight. I had to fight. And so initially in my journey, everything was a fight. It was a fight to be better, you know, a fight to grow, a fight to make a difference in the world. And I chose to fight. You know, I chose to start loving myself because one thing that came to me following that was that the moment that gun misfired, every breath that I would breathe from that moment on was a gift to me and I was no longer going to waste the breaths, the gift of each moment any longer. And so that thrust me forward into this passion from my own experience to want to help other people who had experienced what I had experienced. And I looked, I began to observe my experiences and I used to always say, I'm cursed, I'm cursed, I'm cursed, I'm cursed. But at this point, I realized that my life was not cursed. I realized that it was blessed because with every one experience that I had had to grow through, there was at least a million people out there having just one of those experiences that I now had the ability to impact. Mm. And what that did for me was give me purpose. What that did for me, it gave me a reason to live. It gave me a reason to love. It gave me a reason to be courageous. It gave me a reason to be fearless. And I said, from the for the rest of my life, even if it costs me my life, I will live a life loving people, teaching them how to love themselves, teaching them how to build a life and how to connect with their reality in a way that they see a blessing in every moment. And yeah, I ended up going back to school after this happened. You know, I grew up in the Bible Belt of Virginia and I, I didn't really believe in God at this point because I grew up in a Baptist, you know, church and it was hellfire and brimstone, you know, and so I never could comprehend the message of God is love, but yet he's going to burn you and destroy you. And, you know, yeah. like that just did. You mean to say God is God loves you unconditionally. But if you don't follow these conditions, God's going to punish you. Like, yeah, help me. I, I was like, you know, <laughs> screw that. And then when I, you have pastors in that community, tell your family he's a lost cause. You can't help him. He's not going to listen. Like, I'm like, OK. Clearly, your God has you really confused. Like, <laughs> it makes that's not love at all. Like, but again, it that was my life experience on this spiritual journey. And um, anyway, like I said, I grew up in that experience. But afterwards, I didn't know what was happening to me when my awakening happened. It was like this full on because following that that experience after trying to commit suicide, maybe a week later. You know, I'm just trying to process what the hell just happened to me and all these things that I'm feeling and I'm feeling powerful, but I'm confused. And I'm like, like, I feel like I'm a puzzle that's just in a million pieces, but I'm a puzzle with a purpose. So I'm like, what the hell is the purpose? Like, what's going on? <laughs> and uh, 
you know, it got tough. It, it did get tough. So let me say this. I remember going out and I went out this night and I was hanging out with my friends. I got around the same old people again. And I had some drinks, you know, trying to just push it all down because it was so heavy. And again, this is just a week following. And I, then I started judging myself in the midst of doing it. And out of the blue, I just got up and I left and I went back home and I got home. And at the time we were staying with my sister and brother-in-law and I got home and I just put on some music and it was a hip hop song, but it was, you know, the song was called motivation, but it was like this, it had this angry vibe to it. Like I'm motivated. Like, you know, you suckers can't see me. I'm motivated. Like whatever. And I remember sitting there listening to this song and all of these feelings started rushing up and I started hearing all these voices, kill yourself, kill yourself. Just do it, do it, do it. And when you're done, like everybody's going to be better off without you. Just, just be done with it. You don't have to fight anymore. And I took a steak knife and I lit the tip of it with a lighter and I held it on there until it got hot and I turned it up on my arm like that and I couldn't feel it. And so I did it again. I put it on this arm. I couldn't feel the pain. I wanted to feel something. Mm. All of a sudden I started shaking and I couldn't stop shaking and I'm just sitting there and I'm like, what's going on? And so I'll, I'll go into the bathroom and I grab two wet napkins and I'm just holding them on my arms like this and I set them on the toilet and I'm just shaking and I can't stop. And all of a sudden it feels like something, like a pressure on my chest. And <clears throat> all of a sudden, it was just like this ball came up in my throat and I yelled. It was probably about 1 o'clock in the morning. And I yelled, what do you want from me? And when that happened, when that happened to me in that moment, I was like, I've tried everything in my power to be who I want to be and nothing has worked and this voice spoke to me but it was a strong voice and it said that's your problem you've tried everything in your power to be who you want to be now try this power and let me show you who you are i closed my eyes and when i opened my eyes and people always think I'm crazy. You guys might not think I'm crazy when I say we that. We don't think but when, I, <laughs> but when I opened my eyes, my back was arched. My arms were outstretched like this. And I was almost like I was levitated. I was on my tippy toes like mm -hmm. this. And tears were pouring from my eyes. And I tried to wipe them. And the more I wiped them, the more they poured. And they were like crocodile, like baby tears. And they wouldn't stop. And I closed my eyes again. And when I opened my eyes, I was in the floor on my knees and my elbows with my head in the carpet like this. And I just remember feeling like my whole body was hot and I'm still crying. And I opened my eyes and I had cried so much that in the carpet in the bathroom floor, puddles were forming from my tears. That's how much they were falling. And all I remember saying is, because I remember all these words started coming out of my mouth, but I couldn't make out what I was saying. Like, I didn't know what was coming up. And when I could finally just felt like I could control what I was saying, I was like, God, spirit, universe, source, whatever you are, like, if you can take this pain from me, I will die for you. And that same strong voice came back again and it spoke and said, 
you were never sent to die. You were sent to live. All of a sudden, it felt like this weight fell off of me. And I got up. I don't know how much longer I stayed down there. But when I got up out of the floor and I looked in the mirror, I didn't see Princeton anymore. I didn't see the pain. I didn't see the hurt. I didn't feel it. And I remember walking out of the bathroom and I sat on the couch and I was just sitting there. And I just remember feeling like my entire body was vibrating. Like, and, and I ended up finally falling asleep. But when I woke up the next morning, everything looked different to me. Like everything was bright. Colors were bright. Every, and <clears throat> I went from being that person to literally after that, I was walking around like my I, my family and friends, like they thought one of two things happened. Either he's had a nervous breakdown or he's done th- something so bad that he's overcompensating for it. Because I went from being that person after that to literally walking around saying, do you know how special you are? Do you know how valuable your life is? Do you know how great you are? And that was me from that point to today. That's how I've been. And it's only gotten stronger. I've only gained more wisdom. I've only gained more insight. I get downloads at times where, you know, even when I'm speaking, like I'll go back and listen to stuff that I'm saying. And I've had people come up to me and they're like, man, like you really channel some heavy stuff. Like, but you've embodied it to such a degree that you are just this conduit for it. And after that experience, you know, I ended up going back to school, like I said, Uh, growing up in the Bible Belt, I didn't know what was happening to me after that. You know, I just knew I was different. So I was like, maybe there's something to this Bible stuff. So I tried the Bible. I went, I studied the Bible. I isolated myself from friends, family, every situation that was no longer good for me, for every situation that did not honor what I was feeling now. Mm. And I just read the Bible from beginning to end. And I saw that there were certain stories in there that were similar to mine. And as I got through it, I started studying the Hebrew, the Greek, the Aramaic, because I didn't want to hear it from a man. I didn't want to know because the man had told me I was worthless. I was a lost cause. So I was like, I want to know. I was like, Spirit, if you can show me, I'll listen, but I will not hear it from another man. And I ended up going back to school. I'm like, like I said, it's a lot of stuff that happened in this time, but when I'm going back to school, getting my bachelor's in biblical studies and Eastern religion. Um, got involved with ministry and outreach and because what I studied by studying the original languages, I realized that so much of what's taught is taught wrong. Mm. And so I thought I was going to be like Neo going back into the matrix and I'm going to change the system. And I tried to do it for about five years before spirit just released me and said, you can't use the system to change the system. But this is just another experience that you needed to have. So I left ministry. I stopped pastoring and I just went really deep spiritually. I started studying meditation. I started studying energy. I started studying breath work and I went so deep. I started studying astral projection and had some even even had some experiences around that. But that's really what began my journey more so into coaching. Because I had such a uh, such an ability to connect with people, but I said I want to use this ability, and um, that's what I started doing. And long story short, I've been doing it since then. It's been 16 years, you know, and it's my life now. And I've been given the opportunity, you know. I always say 
you know, I've been given the opportunity to work with Tony Robbins and Dean Graziosi, who both have over, you know, 63 years combined in the industry. So for me, coming from where I came from to being where I am now, it's the equivalent of a football athlete making it to the Super Bowl. Hmm. But what I've recently been shown is that this was just practice. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, it's yeah. like this was just preparation. And so, you know, this year I wrote my first book, published it in January, Awakening Your Inner Master, The Journey of Self-Mastery. And um, okay, I also have the podcast, the, the Evolved Mastery podcast, which I took a little break from because of doing the coaching stuff with Dean and Tony. And now I'm just at this place where I realize what the practice was for and what I've been prepared all this time, my entire life experience in the curriculum of my life. Mm. I've had different teachers, different lessons, different tests, different exams that I've had to evolve through to get to where I am now. And now it's getting real. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you so much for sharing. That was amazing. We just went on a whole ride and um, yeah, your story is incredible, Princeton. And people on Facebook were chiming in. Uh, I just want to – Heath is here. Heath Cummings. He says, my dude. What's up, brother? He says, I wouldn't be where I am mentally and spiritually if it weren't for this trio right here. Oh, that's so sweet. Uh, Love you, brother. Christy Ann Jackson Milano said, what do you think it was that shifted that night, Princeton? The night that you cried and released the weight. I will say this. I don't know that I can completely put a finger on what shifted it. All I know is that when it happened, I believe it was that ultimate release because it's almost like a teapot, you know, when you Mm -hmm. heat it up, you know, one of the ones that whistle when it's hot, you know, I reached a boiling point in my life and the whistle went off and it's like life, God, source, whatever you want to call it, took me off, took me off that hot, hot cap and just set me to the side and said, now cool off. Mm. cool off and also what i realized is you know how i told you about that that strong voice that i heard in that time in my life yeah. when i speak now that voice was mine mm. i got goosebumps and i love that it, it, it's 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 i want people to understand this your journey is your journey and you Your spirit, your divine self is always speaking, but we've created these personas and these ideas of self that are so loud. And sometimes life takes you through experiences where the noise becomes too much and it starts to vibrate at such a level that it starts to shatter the very essence of what you think you are. But what begins to happen when that shatters is the light of your being begins to shine through. And so a lot of people run from the breaking process. Mm. Keep in mind, prior to this happening, I just tried to kill myself. The breaking started then. The light started shining through then. 
-hmm. and light does what light does. It shines long enough and the brighter it gets, it exposes the trash, it exposes the garbage, it exposes the darkness, the, the areas that have been hidden by the darkness of persona. Mm. And you try to run from it, but once the light starts shining, you can't run from it. The light of your consciousness, once it's set free, you can never go back to what you used to be or it will be extremely painful. And mm. so when I tried to go out that night and do the things that I normally did, it was extremely painful. And even to the point where even when I tried to experience physical pain, the pain that I was feeling as a result of trying to go backwards was so strong that I couldn't even feel physical pain. Hmm. And see, this is where like, we really have to take a close look at when, when you're feeling depressed, you know, and you're struggling through the pain of depression. We allow ourselves, what happens with depression, before I say that, what happens when we're depressed, and this is a strong topic for me, because there's so many people who are depressed right now yeah. And people always ask me, how can you be so happy when you experienced all that stuff? And it's because I understood from a conscious level that I am pure energy. I am a universal generator, generating energy with every thought, every action, every word. Mm -hmm. And so what happens to most, what ha well, no, what happens to everyone is when you get lost in this spiral and you start spiraling in your own negativity because you're focusing only on the negative. You're not looking for the positive anymore. You're not looking for the silver lining. When you spin in, in negative energy, you spin in reverse. So it takes you negative. But when you spin and you shift your focus, you spin in a positive. You generate energy instead of taking away energy. Mm -hmm. And because you are an energetic being, the reason you feel depressed is because you've stayed in that place for so long, not utilizing your power as a divine creator, mm. whether you're aware of it or not, that it's taking you into this very dark place where there feels like where it feels like there's no light because you're not producing the light. Mm. You know, and this is hard for a lot of people to hear. I know if someone had said this to me when I was struggling with depression, it would have been very hard for me to hear because I would have been like, you don't know what my life is like. You don't know what I've experienced. But now being more aware being more conscious, being more illuminated as a light in my own life, I understand how my perception of my reality dictated to me how I responded to my reality. And one of my mentors told me once, he said, Princeton, one of two things will happen in any given environment. Either you will impact it or it will impact you. And so people who are struck or stuck in depression, they keep allowing their environment to impact them and they stop fighting. And in many cases, because they don't have support around them. And this is why we have a responsibility and what you guys are doing and providing this platform. It's so important because there are some people who watch this right now who, they uh, aside from this, they don't have any positive influence around them. Mm -hmm. You know, my entire journey, the reason I'm so passionate now and I have been is because I know what it feels like to be alone and feel like nobody was there because even on my journey, times continued to get hard as I was pushing and learning to shine my light. And I used to always say, I wish I had somebody that would just show me, just show me and I'm going to do it. Tell me what to do and I'm going to do mm -hmm. it. You know, and so to, to go back to her question, um, my journey was different because my awakening happened as a result of my own shattering. Mm -hmm. It was a mass awakening. Now, some people don't have that I, I consider a kundalini awakening it just yeah 
through your entire being. Some people awaken in spurts. They awaken in a process because, and there's a method to this universally, this happens because the divine always knows how much you can handle it, how much you can handle and when you can handle it. You know, and so as you begin to tap into that growth, don't focus on not being perfect. You're already divinely perfect, but you're dismantling all this old paradigm of thought. You're dismantling these old states of focus and perception. And sometimes, depending on what your experience has been, life has to take you into a place where it only allows you to work through things at work through things at different times. And this is why I always say every person's life path or every person has a different life path curriculum, you know, but life is the greatest teacher and it's able to teach all of us. Source is able to teach all of us, the divine beings, angels, you know, everyone, they're, they're able to teach all of us. So when we start looking at that, understand that you are being so supported and so loved. And so this is what happens when we talk about the curriculum of life. Your curriculum and my curriculum are not the same. We all have different curriculums. They may line up and we may go through certain or similar classes or challenges, but our curriculums are still different. How you respond and how your human experience navigates you through your curriculum is still different from mine. But you know what's special is that, and what's special about that is that there's been times in your life where you'll have that, just like in school, you have that pop quiz that hits you and it's like man where the hell did that come from like, <laughs> you know things could be feeling like they're great the relationship the job you know life whatever it is feels like it's going great and then out of nowhere this shit pops up and it's like what the fuck like, yeah i don't know what just happened right there you know and you start judging yourself you yeah. know you start judging other people you start judging your circumstance but what I challenge you to do is understand that because life is the greatest teacher, life will never test you or quiz you on anything you haven't already been taught lessons on. Mm -hmm. And so when pop quizzes come, it's coming to challenge that divine essence that you are to awaken to the lessons that you've been taught. And then you have to apply those lessons and the wisdom gained from those lessons so that you can pass the process of that quiz. Because guess what? After that quiz, there's going to come a test. And when that test comes, it's going to look similar or feel similar to that pop quiz. It's going to feel like the same experience. And following that, a series of tests, there's going to be this big boom. And that's your, ex your exam. And it's like, I thought I was past that. I thought I was doing better. I thought, you know, and life is like, no, it's like. You said you had it back here, but I saw you faltering a little bit here. So then I brought you a test just to see how serious you were about getting better and awakening to where you are. So, boom, let me give you another test. But now when you feel that really heavy pressure and it feels like it's all coming back and it's harder than ever, it's exam time. Now, the special thing about this exam time is that the exam determines what qualifies you to go to the next level of your experience. And what happens with most people is they try to quit school. But as long as you're here, your divine being has a purpose and the teacher is teaching you to awaken that purpose. But you know what happens also, even though our life path curriculums are different, those of us who evolve, who graduate, 
we who make it to our next level, we then come back as student aides to the universe. We come back and say, you know what? I took this class. It's hard, isn't it? (laughs) But let me take your hand. Let me hold your hand and walk with you. You know, you don't have to do it alone. You're not alone. I know the pressure right now. I know you feel like nobody understands what you're growing through, but understand that you are growing through it. And how you choose to use your creative power to respond is going to dictate what you manifest. It's going to dictate how you move into the next level or next phase of your life. So going back, my, my curriculum has been different from yours, but don't be discouraged. Don't beat yourself up. Just understand you're in school right now. And the moment you awaken to your passion and your purpose, or you begin seeking why you are here, the light begins to shine. But when the light comes on, be ready to receive the vision to see the things that you've been ignoring, not just about your reality, but also about yourself. And then as you gain that wisdom, start taking steps to evolve because like my brand is evolved mastery, but we evolve through self mastery. Mm. You know, when these things are happening in your life, you have to master yourself. Now, not this little idea of self, but the divine self. You have to begin with each action, with each, with each word, with where you put your thoughts. You have to begin to master the mind, master the body, master the soul. And as you do that, you begin to awaken to the deeper truth that you are a powerful, limitless, divine creator. You're not that person that you see in the mirror every single day. You're not that idea of self that you see in the mirror every single day. You're not the idea of self that people have told you that you are. You are a powerful, divine creator, creating in every single moment. And as you begin to navigate through the process of self-mastery and really seek to understand and, and awaken those realizations of what you are, don't be afraid to ask for help. You know, don't be afraid to reach out because there are those of us who've been in this curriculum for quite a while. And I always say, because you are already perfect, because love is perfect and you were birthed from love, the more you learn to love yourself, the more you will begin to perfect the process of your own soulful evolution, the process of your own mental evolution, the process of your own physical evolution, and the evolution of your life. So embrace the life path curriculum that you're on because it's only teaching you and bringing out the aspects of your life to reveal to you just how beautiful you are. Mm. Wow. Thank you so much, Princeton. That was, like I said before, before we started this podcast, I was like, last time I talked to you, by the end of it, I wanted to like go out and like right in the streets, which I guess I, I could do right now. It would be fine. Um, but you're, you're just so inspiring. You're just so inspiring. And um, thank you. Thank you for that. Everyone everyone on Facebook is loving that. Um, Princeton- thank you so much for sharing your – really quick, I'm going to chime in. Yeah, thank you so much for sharing your story with us. It's so motivational and so uplifting. And that's one of the reasons you experienced it. 
So thank you so much. And I am so glad that you're here sharing your light with everybody. Thank you. I'm glad to be here. <laughs> it also, um, it also, even what you just shared gave me a lot of perspective on, um, you know, Ambrosia channels, the arc nine, a group of Arcturian mm-hmm. energy. And we were just talking to them the other day about just kind of the state of everything right now. And something they said really resonated with something you just said. And they were like, you would, if you could not handle what was going on now, you would not be here. And, yes. and you just said something very similar. And it really resonated with me when you said it. Because when they said it, I was like, oh, I was like being a little brat about it. <laughs> but when you said it, it kind of really hit. And I was like, yeah, so I can just trust. I don't have to worry. I can just trust that, like you said, I have my own. Everything is perfectly designed for me to experience what I want to experience here. And um, and it feels good to know that I already, from a higher perspective, I can handle this. I don't have to be mm-hmm. here. Um, <laughs> so... Christy just said, President Obama just spoke and said it's very important to use the momentum for positive. Yeah, absolutely. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Totally. They also said be the light, and that's what Princeton said too. Like, be the light. Like, share your light with people. So that message Mm -hmm. is coming from a lot of different sources, humans and non-humans. So Mm -hmm. I think that's really important. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Definitely. You guys, when we look at what's happening right now, and, and I want to address it a little bit. And yeah. I know that, again, we are we are all spiritual beings having a human experience. Black, white, Asian, Hispanic, whatever. We're all spiritual beings having a human experience. And I feel like this whole situation for a lot of people, I feel like there's a lot of white people who they want to help. And maybe they've tried to help, but the help has been pushed back. Or you know, maybe they've done things, or maybe they don't know what to say. They don't know yeah. how to respond, but I want to do something or I'd rather I want to say something just to help you take some of that pressure off of your shoulders. In the times that we're seeing right now, because everybody's like, I just want to understand. I just want to understand. You will never understand the black experience no more than I will ever understand the white experience. Right. But what's more important than understanding is the realization and acknowledgement of what's happening in the human experience. Because at the core of it all, we are all human. And I posted this video, I did this video last night and I posted it. And I I said, you know, I want to paint a picture. Imagine that you go to a playground and there's kids of all races playing in this playground. But one kid gets singled out and they continuously get beat, 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 beat. And all the family members run to the aid of their children and they shelter them. And then when asked, why didn't you protect the person being brutalized, the child being beat up? They say, all the kids matter. All the kids matter. The problem wasn't, or the issue wasn't that all kids don't matter because surely they do. The problem was you ignored the reality that one child was being brutalized, told he was worthless, told he was nothing, you know, and not just that, you know, as as this happens, you know, what we have to come to the understanding of is 
this child is experiencing this and nobody's protecting this child. And guess what's going to happen? That child eventually is going to get tired of being hurt. It's going to get tired of, uh, of being ignored. It's going to get tired. And what happens? They get angry and he's going to learn how to fight back. And he's going to fight back in a way that's not positive because all he's known is being beaten. All he's known is being hit. All he's known is that nobody's going to help him. You know, and so when we look at this reality, we have to understand that those children grow up to be adults. And although we don't like the results, you know, it wasn't right. And it isn't right for those, that child to, to also become the bully or to fight. But it was also not right for them to be bullied. And to help people who want to speak to this issue, again, it's more about the realization and the, than it is the understanding. When you realize that we are all human and we say, I love everybody, we really have to start looking at ourselves and say, but wait, do I? If love is unconditional, but yet I put conditions on my ability to support everyone, I'm not really walking in love, not true divine love. Maybe it's conditional love, you know, of a broken mentality, but it's not true love. And so for all of you out there who have tried and you've been trying to do something, you've been trying to understand, I want to say that I see you. I appreciate you. I'm grateful for you. I honor you. But what we need to start doing more of is having the conversation as humans. Yeah. This is a human humanitarian conversation. Yeah. You know, if we're going to get results and create change, this is what we have to do and I know this is such a hard topic to have, but I feel like I've been divinely given a gift to be a key that unlocks the door to bridge the gap. And so um, I've started my Unify the World nonprofit and I bought the domains. Everything's getting started. And we're at this place now where I always tell people, this is not about Princeton. We have to connect and unify across all barriers as humans and stand for justice for all people stand for love for all people. And we have to begin to challenge the social systems, the economical systems, the governmental systems with our light, with our love, but more than anything else, with our actions. Mm. You know, and so I just want to bridge the gap there and be a voice because it's not so much, and I want to say this too, I want to take this pressure off your shoulders because I know a lot of my white friends have said, you know, how do I even approach black people about this? You know, and some of you may be feeling this way. And the truth is, it's not really how do you approach a black person about it? I think what we need more than anything for those of you who are actually standing up is for you to talk to your counterparts about mm. this. Yeah. yeah. And you have to say, like, and this is where you have to do that deep introspection when you start noticing how you're responding or not responding. Start noticing those moments when you see a black person and because of your own mental conditioning, innately this, this fear comes up in you, but you don't know where that fear comes from because you love everybody. Yeah. You got black friends or you date a black person. It doesn't matter. You don't know where it comes from. We have to go deep and we have to look at that conditioning because that's what it is. It's conditioning. Mm -hmm. And I had a friend of mine share that recently and he was talking about it, my friend Arvin, and he's white and he's like, I don't like this feeling. I want to change it. But the only way we're going to change it is through love. And me looking at me and then having this very hard conversation with you. Mm -hmm. And so what needs 
to happen more than anything because together we can address humanity as a whole. But I feel like it's my responsibility also on my side to address my people as well or my culture that I've had the experience of understanding on my side. And then together through informing ourselves, but also loving ourselves, coming into this intimate place of connection, you know, we can start calling ourselves out. We got to become like Eminem on Eight Mile. Call ourselves <laughs> on our own bullshit so that nobody else can call us on our bullshit. Mm-hmm. Yes. You know, and if we can start doing that and saying, you know what? I do feel that fear around black people yeah. and I don't like it. You know, I do kind of prejudge when I see somebody dressed a certain way or I see a car pull up and this kind of music is playing. I do have those thoughts mm-hmm. and I hate it. Yeah. Those are the conversations that need to be had, you know, as you're evolving through this. And then together, the more people we have on that side rising with us mm-hmm. saying, this is my privilege because I've had the privilege of never having your experience, but I understand my experience and how I look at you as a result of my experience. It's just like, if you saw that little child getting beat up, mm-hmm. you would go to them. What they did, they don't need you to say, get up and stop crying after they're being bullied. All they really need is for you to say, how can I help? Are you okay? Yeah. Can I support you? You know, I have some resources. Maybe I can use my resources and my connections to help this community or to help this condition that you're in just so that more people can understand it. You know, it's about compassion. And too oftentimes than not, often more times than not, what we're missing is the compassion because we're still dealing with the fear and the prejudice of our perspective based on conditioning that has been ingrained into us either blatantly or subliminally. Mm-hmm. And we have to start going there and really creating more platforms to have this conversation. Yeah. And that's how we're going to heal because that's what needs to happen. Healing needs to take place. And it's not going to happen overnight. It may not even happen in a year, two years, 10 years, 50 years. But we can start the process now. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I definitely feel like from my perspective, it's always been, race has always been something that you don't talk about. Mm-hmm. You don't bring it up. Yeah. And I remember a couple times in my family, I would try to bring it up and it was like, shut up. Mm-hmm. Like literally shut up. Don't say anything. And I'm like, okay, I guess we're just not supposed to talk about this. This is a subject yeah. we don't want to talk about. And I guess for me, what I feel like personally is my black friends are far more open about the diversity and the difference than my white friends, Mm -hmm. far more open, you know, about talking about it and bringing it up and being like, well, you know, this is like, I'm the only black person here. If you haven't Mm -hmm. noticed, you know what I mean? And it just kind of, it's illuminating of um, really having that being brought to your attention and now it's being brought to everyone's attention, which is great, but it's still super uncomfortable, but it should be because that means that something is happening that we know is creating change. And that means that what was going on before was not okay. And we know it. Yeah. And that's where the defensiveness comes from. The defensiveness comes from conviction because 
what what white people start to feel and even black people and i'm, I'm going to say it from the other side when we look at our community and see how it's ravaged by in, in many communities not all ravaged by drugs and gang activity black on black crime mm-hmm. me as a black man i'm held to a level of accountability and responsibility where i have to be a voice to that and it might not be an easy conversation for me to have but i can have it because i used to be that mm-hmm. You know, and so it's important for us to acknowledge. I mean, I understand people are hurting. I don't agree with the the, the protesting if it's not in love, if it's not in unity, and if it does not have a solution. Because I think people are are, are going out there and they're using their emotion to make a point. And I was having a conversation yesterday and I said, you know what? Say legislation does get get, get passed that starts to hold police officers accountable. Mm -hmm. Because of the route that people are taking, it's still going to create more prejudice because people are now judging you by your actions. They're judging you by your anger. They're judging you Mm -hmm. by your emotions. And and that's just a part of the conditioned human state of mind right now and ego, you know, but if we're going to shift that, you know, we have to come from a place. And also I understand that a lot of people protesting, you know, a lot of the crimes that are happening and the, the property has been damaged. Cops are doing it. You know, a lot of white people are doing or white it. white supremacists, yeah. Or like yeah, random white people too, yeah. Yeah, I mean, and it's being videoed. Like you yeah. see yeah. this happening. And I think it's important if you don't agree with protesting to point out when you see something like that, you know, well, did you see what, you know, you know, our people were doing? Did you pay attention to what they did? Did you hear what they were saying? Mm-hmm. You know, because there's two sides to every coin. You know, and so let's face it, this is going to happen. And even though it is an unfortunate situation for our nation and across the world, it's important for it to happen. And as much as I don't like the experience of it, there is a major shift happening right now. And a lot of people are beginning to dial in. They're beginning to wake up. And this is where people like us are being called forth. And, and this is why I say my purpose is to unify the leaders, the voices, the people in position where people have it and people lend their ear to them because we have the ability to change the narrative. We can't use this system to change the system. It's time to use the one system we've never used. And that's our unity. Mm-hmm. It's time to use the one system we've never used. And that's our love. It's time to use the one system we've never used. And that's our divine gifts. See, we, we keep thinking a corrupt system, a system that is rooted deeply in corruption is for the people. The system is only for the system. Yep. The people are just cogs in a wheel. Yeah. It's just like the movie, The Matrix. So yeah. in this experience, I do feel like Neo, yeah. you know, <laughs> and I'm ready to yeah. speak. I, I know what my superpower is. I know my voice is my power. Mm-hmm. I know I have the ability to speak through walls mm-hmm. and speak through all the barriers. It doesn't matter what race you are. And so I am holding my high, myself to a higher level of accountability as I speak to these issues on this side. And as you guys speak to the issues on this side and we bridge the gap and bring them together saying we will not allow this. It mm-hmm. is my dream that a hundred years from now, we will no longer be talking about the pain. We will yeah. be talking about the victory. We will no longer be talking about the pain. We will be talking about the uprise and love. We will be talking about the power. 
we will be talking about this shift because that's what's happening and it's time to move now. We can't wait. We can't sit back and hope things are going to get better because we are the change. Yes. And now it's time to be it. Yes. Mm. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> now Thank I'm fired you. up. Now yes, I'm ready. See? I know. <laughs> I know. You warned me and he still got me. Still got me fired up. <laughs> Uh, that was perfect and beautiful. And I think we want to end on that note, on that powerful final note. Thank you so much, Princeton, for shining your light and sharing your heart and just being who you are. We're so proud and happy to know you. And I love the image you just painted of uh, leadership. And, and what I heard was like setting the standard, like setting the bar mm -hmm. for our people. Um, and mm -hmm. showing them like how it is done and coming together as one and walking forward together. And it's, it's such a beautiful vision. And I'm so, I'm so excited to watch it come to life all, all the steps along the way. And so, mm -hmm. uh, thank you everyone for watching on Facebook Prince. Thank you everyone for listening on the audio podcast, Princeton, how can people connect with you? Where can they find you? Where can they get more of you? Um, Evolved Mastery, E-V-O-L-V-E-D, Mastery across all platforms, Evolved, www.evolvedmastery.com. Um, if maybe you want advice or coaching, PrincetonClark.com. Um, and yeah, also Amazon, if you want to read my book, uh, Awakening Your Inner Master, The Journey of Self-Mastery, if you're ready to master your life, it's on Amazon right now. You can either type in my name or you can type in Awakening Your Inner Master, and it'll pop up. But Evolved Mastery on Instagram, Evolved Mastery on Facebook. Reach out to me. I'd love to hear from you and to see how I can serve you. Beautiful. Thank you so Thank much. Thank you so much. <laughs> Thank you, guys. I love you guys so much. Oh, we, we love, love you, too. And sending you a big hug to you and your community. I receive it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, everyone. Until next time, keep on blooming. Bye-bye. Bye. If you've enjoyed this podcast, we would love, love, love it if you would give us a rating and review on Apple iTunes or wherever you get your podcast. If you'd like to get in touch for a reading with Ambi, an EFT session with Alexa, or just to say what up, we would love to hear from each and every one of you. And you can email us at innerbloompodcast at gmail.com or follow us on Instagram and Facebook at innerbloompodcast. Until next time, remember, open your heart to the seeds of love and light and bloom from within.